Well, hi everybody, it's Lisa Tamadi here from Running Hot Coaching and thanks for joining us today. Um, we're going to answer some questions. I've got my business partner in crime, Neil Wagstaff, uh, exercise scientist living in the Hawke's Bay. And um, g'day Neil. And oh, yeah. he's been my coach for over a decade. He's, he knows so much what he's, he's forgotten more than I'll ever know. So um, it's really great to have him <laughs> chime in on all these great questions. Now, I put up a post on my Facebook group that asked people what they're facing with their main challenge that they're facing, any specific things that they were really fighting with. So I got some fantastic questions, and we're going to try and answer those today. Now, remember, we are not doctors, so this does not replace medical advice, and we haven't examined you if you've got a specific uh, injury. So please, um, you know, obviously consult your doctor if you've got something really wrong going going on but we're going to try and answer these as experienced coaches and as an experienced athlete we're going to give you um what we think is happening okay so the first question comes from sharon collie who is an ultra marathon runner from australia um hi lisa I'm, I'm training for the big red run this year in june my only concern is a pain in the back of my left knee doctor has said it's a muscle strain from a 100k ultra run i attempted in bad conditions last October. Have been working hard on getting it right, but still have a few issues with it once in a while. Just wondering if you have any extra tips on strengthening the knee before the big event. And we also had a, a similar query um, from Sandra Svetko. My biggest problem is a pain in the back of the knee. It's all because of a muscle bicep femoris. Um, she's had an MRI, but she hasn't been able to run for the last six weeks. Um, and she has to go to physiotherapy, but have you got any advice? So, so for Sandra and for Sharon, Neil, can you, being the exercise scientist, I'll let uh, you talk to this one. Thanks, Liz. Um, yeah, it's obviously, as you said at the start, Lisa, hard to obviously answer very, very specifically about seeing people move. Um, we can take them through a little bit of a movement screen, movement assessment. But real simply speaking, the first thing is, are you doing enough regular strength and mobility work? Um, so if, if we assume that you are, you should be doing strength work ideally two sessions a week and some sort of mobility work on a daily basis is what we recommend at Running Hot Coaching. It doesn't need to be long periods, it could be short duration and sort of five, ten minutes a day. But those are the two things to make sure you're doing first. So once you know you're doing those and if, you, if the ladies are already doing those, then good stuff, good for you, great job. You then want to make it a little bit more specific. So you want to make sure that any soft tissue that is currently tight overactive, not, not functioning well, is relaxed and released. So real simple and easy way to do that is use something like a foam roller, um, cricket ball, hard tennis ball, something you can test the sensitivity of your muscles. You can lie on the floor and put the, the, the ball or the foam roller around the hip area. If you're getting pain rating with one being you're not feeling it at all and you can relax and hang out there and ten being get this thing off me, this, this is excruciating, then then it starts to tell you what parts of your body are sensitive. And guess what? Those parts of your body that are sensitive are going to need a little bit more love. They're going to need a little bit more looking after. Yeah. Now, the knees are a pretty simple joint, okay? Moves backwards and, backwards and forwards. So a lot of the issues with the knee either happen above it or below it, okay? So and often with people that, that, that come in, we look at releasing the tissue around the knee and then above it and below it. So looking at the muscle that's attaching to the knee, you've got the, the quads, the hamstrings, Below the knee, you've got the calves, and the, yeah, all the muscles on the front of your, the front of your lower shin as well. Yep. So making sure they're not tight, okay? Because if they're tight, I guarantee they will be pulling on the knee joint, and if they're pulling on the knee joint, that's going to give you some sort of discomfort, okay? So first thing is making sure those knees need, um, 
need relaxing. If they do need relaxing, it's then going through and um, finding out which, which muscle it is. Once you know which muscle, you can then say, right, I know my quads are tight, or I know my hip flexors are tight, I know my calves are tight. You can then start exploring stretches for the calves, the quads, the hip flexors. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So your hips, you know, like your hips actually can affect your knees quite considerably, can't you? Like it's all about the kinetic chain. So explain a little bit the kinetic chain, what that is, and, and why that's important. So, real another thing we often see is, and it sounds crazy, but we might see some people come in and say, "I've got um, got shoulder pain," and we actually work back and establish that it's actually come from the foot. So, real simply speaking, your foot, if the arch collapses, so the arch collapses, that then put pressure on the muscles and tighten the muscles that are running up the back of the back of the leg. So, the arch has collapsed. You start getting start getting tension around all the muscles in the in the calf complex. Those muscles then attach behind the knee. So there's some pulling on the knee there. So you could get a little bit of knee pain as well. That then comes up the kinetic chain and will start to affect the muscle and the soft tissue above the knee because they're connected. That can then affect the hip and start pulling that in a different direction. Mm. That then comes up the muscles of the back, which are attached at the back of the pelvis, all the way up, and those muscles come all the way up your back and can attach to your shoulder. So you can be walking around with a shoulder that's, that's, that's sore or a foot that's, a foot that's short, sore, and it's one or the other that's causing it. Yep. Okay, so looking outside of the area that's sore really, really works works well as, as well. The other part to remember as well is your, your body is, is covered in, in fascia as well. So I describe fascia like a, a superhero suit. Now, as you know, in my head, I'm, I'm a superhero, and um, I like to go out on Saturday night and have a look north to save people. Um, <laughs> and definitely, as far as my kids are concerned, I've got my superhero suit. Your fascia is like a superhero suit. You pull over your, you can imagine you pull over your body. That's all connected. So if there's any issues with the fascia as well, a lot of the evidence and research we've been looking at in the past sort of eight or ten years indicates that, that addressing that as well. So letting the fascia do the job, the, the job it should. That as well will need hydrating. So you need plenty of this. So quite often you can get some massive wins, pain-wise and mobility-wise, just yeah, by, by hydrating. hydrating yourself more effectively. Okay. With the fascia as well and the soft tissue around your body, that, that holds stress and tension. So if you've got stress and tension in other areas of your life, guess what? You address that and it can address knee pain as well, or shoulder pain or hip pain. In this case, in this, this case, knee pain. Just coming back now, we talked about relaxing and releasing the muscles that uh, connect onto the knee or those above it and below it. You've done your sensitivity test to see what muscles are tight. You now want to start strengthening the muscles that need strengthening as well. So some muscles you find will be short, tight, others will be long and weak. Great examples of glutes. A lot of people in this day and age sat like we are now. The muscles of the glutes get long and lazy, don't do the job they should. Other muscles need to take over their role, become short and tight. So we need to fire up and tighten those muscles that need tightening. Mm. Glutes is a great example. Yep. You get big muscles at the back of your, your body fired up, the glutes tight, especially the glute max, glute needs, and then that starts to hold the knee in a better position. All of a sudden, it's got the support of the, the muscles up top, keeps the knee in good alignment. So when you're running and landing, you're not getting the kinetic chain that you referred to, Lisa, caving in. You're not getting the arch collapsing. You're not getting the knee caving in. The muscles are there to do their, to do their job. So in, in short and in summary is, is work out what muscles are tight, release them, relax them. Work out what muscles need strengthening, get them strengthened up. Um, in particular with the knee, looking at the, um, the glute area and the hip area. Obviously core as well. Make sure you're looking after yourself with this because your body loves that, the fascia system, the muscular system. They love, love being well hydrated. Um, make sure you're sleeping well and getting enough rest and recovery. 
And, an, and, and another point there would be the inflammation in the body. If you've got chronic inflammation, um, then you might want to attack that with, with something like turmeric or something. So if I've got a you know sore back or something, I'll hit it hard with some natural anti-inflammatories, and that can also help the whole system um, you know, do its job properly and relieve those. So it's not just necessarily a sore knee caused from the knee. In other words, it's right there. So <laughs> it'd, now, be, it'd be easy if it was. Yeah. If you uh, can give us like a couple of strengthening exercises that they can do for strengthening the knees and, and getting the glutes activated because the glutes are a huge part of running. Yeah, my favourite go-to is the floor bridge. So we use that with pretty much every one of our athletes at Running Hot Coaching. The reason we use it is the floor bridge will, will get people to start firing their, their glutes again. Often the way I describe it to people is that they'll be talking English, but their, their glutes are still talking Chinese. So you need to bridge the communication gap. You need to teach your glutes to start talking English, or you need to learn Chinese. It's probably easier to, see, to get your glutes to start, start talking, <laughs> talking the same You're going to lie flat on your back. You're going to have your knees bent and in close to your backsides. Light contraction with your core, so draw the belly button to the spine. You're going to push up and push your hips up towards the ceiling, keeping your head, neck, and shoulders on the floor. Now, as you do that, you want to actively think about squeezing the glutes and, um, and contracting those. And if you're getting it right, you should feel the tension in the glutes. If you're feeling it in the hamstrings, you know they're doing the job instead, so you want to relax, go again, and get the glutes doing the job. If you get lower back pain or tenderness, you know that the um, the core switched off, yep. so you want to reactivate that. Yep. All right. I also like doing it with, uh, with a lot of our athletes at Running Hot. I like doing a banded banded one as well. It's exactly the same movement. You put a band around the outside of the knees, and then you get a nice static contraction of the muscles on the side of the hips. So you get stability through the side of the hip, and you get stability through the through the glutes at the at the back here, as well. We're talking here those mini you know, uh, resistance bands. That you, yeah, little bands that that's so big they're either called a, a loop band. We like using the black roll ones yep. or a, um, a mini band. Yeah, but they are shop. they are gold. Yeah, we've got those in our shop if anyone wants to buy a set of those. So they come in different uh, variations of strength that you can use for different exercises, and highly recommend to have those in your home gym. Yeah. Uh, what about squats, Neil? Is that a good one for? Yeah, I'd say squats again, good to good to integrate. But I'd start with the isolation stuff first. So the floor bridge, anything where um, you're taking the leg out to the side. So a mini band walk. So you take the same mini band we were talking about that can go around the knees or the ankles, and you're taking small steps to one side. So you're firing up the smaller, deeper muscles first. You want to get the stabilisation system firing first, then integrate that into something like a squat. The risk with going straight to the squat. If you've got a knee or a foot that's collapsing in, so if the foot collapses and the knee then follows, then it's going to do exactly the same yep. when you're doing the squat. Yep. So you want to get the, the glute muscles fired up first. Then when you go to do the squat, you've got good alignment through the ankles, knees, and hips. Everything's in good position. Good so yes, do the squat, but do the isolation exercise first. A good tip with the squat is when you uh, do get to go, you know, you've advanced enough to do the squat, is to screw your legs into the floor a little bit and outwards so that it actually activates that glute. It's a little bit hard to do, demonstrate without without showing you. We've been doing a lot of good hand gestures today, haven't we? Yeah, we've glutes and... <laughs> 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 Oh dear, oh dear. All right, let's get on to the next question. Um, this one comes from Renee Ferguson. I struggle to get out of what I call the long distance plod. After running a few uh, ultras, Kepler and Naseby, I find I just plod along at the same speed no matter what I do. Man, I can hear your sister. This is a big problem. Now, um, 
one of the things you have to understand that if you're going to do the super long stuff, you are going to sacrifice some of your speed. It's just part of the parcel. You, you cannot have extreme speed and extreme distance. Now, you get ultra marathon runners who are super fast, but if you took them into the shorter distance races, say, you know, 10K, 5K, half marathon, what you'll find is they are extremely fast and they have too lost uh, some of their speed, but it's all relative to their genetic ability, if that makes sense. Now, what uh, I do recommend you do is that you break your year into different cycles, okay? So if you're running, training for Naseby or Kepler this year or whatever, you, in that build-up time, you're going to be doing, you know, the, the high, well, not high mileage, because we're not into high mileage training, but higher mileage, um, and there is going to be a lot of longer, slower, and that's what you're building for. But in the off-season... And in the pre or the, in the beginning part of your training for that, what we really highly suggest is that you really concentrate on form and technique. So running drills, making sure that you're running correctly and um, strengthening exercises. So doing more explosive work, doing interval training, all of that sort of really important parts of the program. So you concentrate more on that on the off season, if you like, and then you concentrate more on the other long slower stuff when you're building for the big race okay and that combination means that you will get the optimum out of your your abilities and remember your genetic abilities are always going to be your limiting factor um, and, and learning to accept that that's you know who you are but if you are running more correctly if you're running you know using your glutes right you've got the proper posture going on you've got all those sort of things coming from your running drills that you're doing religiously over you know I, I do mine every week and use it in my warm-up phases and things like that then you will run the most efficiently that you can for your body structure um so yeah that's just a few tips neil have you got anything to add about fast twitch fibers slow twitch fibers that sort of thing i think it's just it's it's making sure if you need to change the environment, change the environment. If you're training for something and you need to, and the goal is to be able to go long and slow, then focus on that goal. If the goal is to, that you need to go faster, don't trip yourself up and and say, I need to be faster, when actually for the event you've got coming up, you truly don't need to be faster. Yeah. So we, we and the reason I say that, I have that conversation with a lot of people, and we've had it over the years as yeah. well, is that, I'm, I'm slow, and using using some of the conversations we've had, at least in the past, is that, yeah, you then go out, and once you get up over 50, 60, 70K, then you're cruising along quite nicely. So look at what the goal is, and then change the environment. If you really, truly really want to get faster, like you said, periodize the training year, do a block of technique training, throw some interval runs in. If you haven't got that in your training week, you can do that at any point in the training year. You can get some, some interval sessions in. Hill sessions are great as well. They help pick up the cadence on the feet, and they can be short or long depending on the event. But changing the environment works well. And cadence is a big part of that, isn't it? A really fast leg turnover helps you run faster. I do my interval training, believe it or not, on a treadmill um, because I find that I can control all the variables and all I have is the speed. So I can actually measure the... And I can also concentrate fully on my form when I'm on a treadmill and I'm not, you know worried about traffic or, or tripping over pathways or, or anything like crossing roads, that type of thing. And so I use that as my way to focus fully on form and on speed. And, you know, you might be doing, um, you know, a good warm-up, obviously, and then a six-time one-minute interval, or depending on what your goals are. If you're doing a 5K race, it's different than if you're doing a half marathon, and, again, different than when you're doing a long, long distance. But I certainly 
um, struggled because I, I've trained my body for many, many years doing long, slow, long, slow, long, slow. That's all I knew. That's all I did for many, many years. And yes, it got me across the finish line, but it also absolutely destroyed my body. And, you know, to give you guys a bit of background, Neil came into my life when I was completely burnt out, um, adrenal fatigue, hormones up the whops. I, I had weight issues uh, despite running hundreds of kilometers a week. And we're talking, you know, between 120 and 170 k's a week. Uh, where I should have been skin and bone, and I wasn't. Uh, and Neil came on, and he built my body from scratch. He rebuilt the muscle. He he made my core strong. The back pain disappeared. Um, so it rebuilt my my hormones, and everything started to come back into line. And um, later on, when I stopped doing the super long stuff, and this is getting a little bit off topic because we're talking about weight loss here. When I started to do short, fast interval stuff, that's when I lost the weight. Sometimes what you can find is this is especially true for women, and we're going to be doing a series on this uh, later on if you're interested in that. You can run your ass off, literally. I mean, when I ran through New Zealand, I ran 2,250 k's and 42 k's. I mean, you can't you can't do more than that. And I lost I lost one kilo, and I put that more than that on within two weeks because my body was an emergency. It was an emergency, and it was going any bit of food that it looked at, I just went straight to fat because it was in a state of of stress. And so lowering your stress levels, and sometimes that means changing up what the training is, and this is why uh, at Running Hot Coaching, and we'll talk a little bit about that later, we're not into the massive high mileage old traditional models. They don't work for 90% of the people. They might work for the 20-year-old 20, 20 elite athletes, but not for the rest of us. And if you're a, in, in your 30s and your 40s, you need to train differently, and we've got the answer for that. But we'll get on to the next question right now. Um, We've got Mike Williams saying, it's just that I'm finding it hard to get started again after a long break. And Michael Robert Russ is saying the similar thing. I'm struggling for time and motivation. I've got 11K coming up in April. I know it's not far, but for me it is. I just struggle to get motivated, especially after a day at all, a, a long day at work. Okay, mate, I, I hear what you guys are saying. Now, the first thing I want to, to go and do is to go and lock yourself in a dark room somewhere and sit and do some deep breathing. And then I want you to meditate on this. I want you to meditate and understand what your why is, okay? Your why are you doing this? And I don't just want this to be on a superficial level. So if you say, well, I want to I want to get fit, okay? That might be your first answer as to why you want to do this. And then I'll say, well, why do you want to get fit? Well, I've always had this goal of running a half marathon or 11K or whatever. And, and that's just, you know, something I want to tick off my bucket list. And they'll say, well, why? Why? You know, and, and dig deeper until you start to get to the emotional triggers of what your real motivation is. So that means, what is it that you, are you doing it a lot of, you know, for example, might be, I'm, I really want to be fit. Why do I want to be fit? Because I want to live long and I want to be able to be a good role model for my children. Okay, now there you've got an emotional why. You've got an emotional reason to get your ass out there and get motivated and get focused. When you can find that emotional trigger, that's what will help you get motivated, okay? So find and understand your why and what you want to get out of this journey. What are the results that you're looking for? What is the purpose of this whole thing? Because, you know, uh, the, oh, who was it? Someone said to me yesterday, I always ask, start asking myself why when it starts getting hard. You need to have that conversation prior to going into the battle, okay? I used to do this with my races. Before I went into battle, I would have a really big, deep conversations with myself about what I was prepared to go through to get there and why. 
What was my reason? I use this track, for example. When I was in, in, in a really bad space in a race and I was feeling like I just cannot take one more step, I would, I would bring up this image in my mind that my mum's life was in danger and it was up to me to run 200 or whatever kilometres to save her life. And when I tapped into that emotional story and I asked myself, well, could you take, would you keep going then? Would you take that next step? Somewhere you can find those reserves. When you love someone, then you will do it. In other words, the power lies within your mind to be able to find that motivation. And you, you have to find those triggers for you, whatever that is. Whether it's wanting to prove to some bugger that you're not useless, or which was a motivation for me in my early years, or whether you wanted to do it for your children, or whatever it is. Okay, Find that motivating factor and, and dig around on it. Dig around it because then that will get you out the door and get you on track. Now the second thing that I wanted to bring out is identity. When you have an, a part, something as part of your identity, then you will make the change. When you just decide psychologically or, or intellectually that you're going to do something, but you haven't bought into it and you haven't changed your identity, then you will not make that shift. Now what I mean by this is we... We have an identity. I have an identity that I am an athlete. It's, it's who I am. It's, it's, it's part of the way I sit. It's part of the way I hydrate. It's part of the way I eat. It's part of the way I run. It's, everything is included in that. I always measure myself by my own standards of, of what it means to be an athlete. To give you an example, uh, that's a really silly example, but it brings home the point. Now, we all brush our teeth twice a day, right? That's the standard. None of us would go for five days without brushing our teeth. Well, I hope not because we know our teeth will fall out. So it is an ingrained standard that we've been taught since we're children, that's what you do, you clean your teeth. It's part of your identity, it's part of who you are, and you will never slip below that standard. The same needs to happen when you want to become a, a runner, you want to uh, take this identity on as a runner, speak to yourself like a runner. I am a runner. I don't care if you're the slowest bloody turtle wading through peanut butter runner that you've ever seen, but you are a runner. When you change that identity, that is where the where the, the power lies. It's not about willpower. It's about changing that that absolute standard that you won't go below. I you know like no matter what injury I have had in the past 25 years, I have always found a way to train some part of my body. And if it was my earlobes because nothing else was working, I was training something. Even when my mum had their aneurysm and she was unable to train anything, she couldn't even lift her hand to push a button. I was moving her body. It is a part of the standard that you set for yourself, and that is the power when you shift your identity. So start talking to yourself like a runner. Start reading and writing and listening to everybody who is a runner. Suck it all in, change your identity, make that shift, and you'll find that motivation comes. Then set your goals. I've got a, um, a, a, a ebook on, on goal setting. Um, I can send you the link to that, and you can go and have a look at that. Go through that process, set those goals. When you put a line in the sand and you said, on that date I'm running that 10K or that half marathon or whatever it is, that is also a motivating factor because you've got a, a, a line in the sand that you're aiming for, you know? And when you uh, don't, you know, it's raining in the morning, like this morning, my husband says to me, oh God, I meant to go out and run half a marathon this morning. It's part of my, you know, training week for this week, but it's pouring with rain. I'd rather just snuggle up in bed. And I said, get your ass out there. Because you've got the race coming up in three weeks and you have to. And he's, yeah, I know. Okay, all right, I'm out of the And he's out in the rain. And afterwards he's like, oh, it was quite fun running in the rain. 
you have that line in the sand and you've publicly committed to it is another great trick. When you publicly commit, maybe on Facebook or wherever, and say, I'm doing this, then you better get your ass out of bed and get running because people are watching. And using those tricks to discipline yourself to be accountable is, is a really good way to get motivated. So you two, I've got my eyes on you, Michael Robert Russ and Mike Williams. I want to hear that you have actually set in place what I've said, and I'm going to be checking in with you. So you're now accountable to me, okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll move on to the next one. Um, who have we got there? Uh, Sharon Collie. Oh, we've done that one. Uh, Michelle Lowe. Oh, and here's one. Marcia Ferguson. We'll go into that first. How to effectively train in the heat when morning runs out aren't an option. I find my pulse rate is high really quickly which is making running more than 10 kilometers a challenge at the moment, which is, you know, a pain for me after having already run Kepler last year. Okay, so she's not handling the heat well. Neil, you've seen me run through Death Valley. How did I handle it? I was going to say, it's, uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's exactly Death Valley, isn't it? It's exactly Death Valley. Yeah. So the first thing is, is the simple things allow yourself to acclimatize. Don't assume that um, you can do what you did in an event in New Zealand in the in the heat of an, another country. So and I'm pretty sure Marcia um, we've had some contact with her via, via email as well. And, um, yeah, just she, she's got to take time to acclimatise to what's going on there. Yep, she's Don't expect uh, yep. that to happen overnight. That's going to take a period of time. That will vary from person to person. But give yourself the time to acclimatise. The other things that worked, and you can you can obviously talk people through this experience yourself, but yep. keeping your, your pulse points cool. Yep. So one of the things that works exceptionally well is keeping your, your neck cool. And keeping your wrist cool yep. while um, while you were while you were running. So so doing that, making sure, just share share some of your experiences with that. Yeah. Before, yeah. Before so, I go on. yeah. So so jumping in there. So um, uh, when I you know like I'm, I'm a specialist in heat. I ran you know everything in the from the Sahara to the Gobi to Death Valley. You know where you're 50, 60, you know, well not 60, 57 degrees was the top we had. When we were coming from New Zealand's winter to their summer as well, we needed ten days. Ten days is what the the scientists have said to us. You need. 10 days to swap from the winter season here to the summer so we went over 10 days earlier and every day we built our running distance up now for every 10 degrees that the temperature goes up expect uh i've forgotten the percentage but there's a corresponding um reduction in the pace that you can go okay and that is for everybody the hotter it is the slower you're going to have to go it's the same with altitude the higher it is the slower you're going to be going and even walking at you know five 6,000 metres is a mission. So it, it lower your expectations and don't compare yourself to when you ran it in a 10 degrees or a 15 degrees in the middle of winter. It isn't the same ball game. You, 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 you're, you're comparing apples and oranges. They don't, they don't mix. Humidity into the mix, which we're having right now, yeah, even I'm awful, awful. <laughs> we're all struggling with I can't sleep, we're sweating at night, nightmaring and all those sort of good things. Understand that you know this is part of the body. Now, one of the, a couple of the tricks that I used to to in, for Death Valley, for example, was to, by training in the sauna. So, if you have uh, access to a sauna, which not everyone does, but if you do, um, you might want to go and pop in there once a week, twice a week, and help the body acclimatize to it. Um, and and just yeah, stop expecting that your body will run at the same speed. It won't. And and don't repeat, don't compare yourself to your last year's Kepler. It's, it's dead and gone. You know, compare yourself to like, we're in the middle of summer, we're struggling with the heat, uh, and the more you run in the heat, the better you will get in the heat. And expect your, sorry to jump in, Lisa, but 
just Marcia should expect a hydration plan to train as well. Oh, yeah. So whatever she's doing from a hydration point of view, from an electrolyte point of view, that's going to need to change if it's the, the sort of heat, I think, from seeing the question, it's, it's hot, hot temperatures she's talking about. And if she's out trying to run in the middle of the afternoon in hot temperatures and expect the, the electrolyte demands on her body are going to be significantly different, as are the hydration demands. So she's, she's got to take that into account as well, make yeah. sure that she's hydrating her body pre-run. If she's even slightly dehydrated, you add the heat into that and you're going to be in all sorts of discomfort. Add three months of summer behind that, and I'll tell you what, I reckon 80% of the people listening to this will have dehydration issues because these are things that are going over longer periods of time. Um, one of the good tests that you can do, there's a skin fold at the back, I don't know if people can see that, at the base of your spine. If you can pull that out, it's nothing to do with the fat levels, it's to do with the hydration. If you can pull the skin out and get a good bit of whack of skin there, then you're well hydrated. If it's really tight and there's nothing, you're dehydrated on a, on a deep cellular level. So you need to up your game with your water intake, but by the same token, your electrolyte intake. If you don't get that balance right, you can drink all the water in the world and you'll just piss it out. Okay, so you have to get your electrolytes in. And the way I do that is with um, Hammer Nutrition's Endurolyte tablets. Or um, for daily use, I often use Elite uh, Drops uh, or CMD Drops. So Elite, E-L-E-T-E. -E. Great just to put a few drops in your water every day and, and up that level of the hydration that you're able to hold in the body, okay? So really, really important to get that balance between bringing the water in but also keeping the electrolytes. If you uh, dilute the electrolytes because you're putting in too much water, then you can, yeah, that's not gonna it's not gonna work. You have to have those in balance. So I would up uh, check that that's not what you're doing, Marcia. That you're not neglecting your electrolytes and your hydration. I think you might find uh, things. One other thing, sorry, let's just add throw in the mix as well. Don't be shy about changing the training program. If you've been operating yeah, on a training program in a cooler country where you do five runs a week. And you're like, right, I've now got to stay on my same training plan and I've got five runs a week. If you're having to go out to get those five runs in in the heat of the afternoon, yeah. then you could drop to a three or four day run week as long as you're still getting good quality runs and get much more out of your training rather than having two additional runs that are done in the scorching heat that dehydrate you, reduce your performance. And then all of a sudden you get to your long run at the weekend and there's nothing in the tank. Yep. So don't be shy about dropping down. If you've got any specific questions on that, obviously give us a call because we've got some great results with doing exactly that, taking people on five, six days a week running mm. and dropping them down to three days a week. Initially, it's like psychologically I'm not doing enough, but because yep. of the environment they're in, it, it is enough and it gives them enough recovery time and then the quality runs, the big weekend run, the hill sessions, the interval sessions, they're ticking along as they should be. So it's a couple of extra additional short pace runs or shorter runs where people are blowing themselves out unnecessarily. Yeah, and, and you've got to remember that you have a bucket of stress, right? And, and all the different things that you're putting into your stress bucket are bringing that up the level. If you're, if you're going and doing really high-intensity running or, or long running in, in heat, that's a big stressor on the body. And then you might have emotional stress at home with relationships or kids or something, or, or you've got work stresses. And this whole bucket is starting to overflow, and that's where you get into the hormonal and the adrenal exhaustion um, and, and things like that going on, which really impact your performance going forward. And we see a lot of burnt-out um, athletes with adrenal exhaustion. And me, I've you know, well, I've totaled myself. I know what I'm talking about. I know what not to do because I've done some major, major damage 
from doing some well you know my the stuff that I've done over over the last 25 years some of it was absolutely ridiculously extreme and I've done massive damage to my kidneys to my hormones uh, thyroid function liver function don't go there and, and now I know better uh, you know I was young and I was bulletproof and I now know better and we don't let our athletes well we try not to let our athletes slip into that downward thing because we've seen so many burnt out athletes Neil and I at Running Hot Coaching are going to be getting into uh, things like epigenetic testing this coming year, which is really fantastic and exciting. So just a heads up, this is where we use your genetics to, to um, detail really what type of training you should be doing, what type of eating you should be doing, what type of everything made for you personalized health plans. We're also going to be uh, doing Boost Camp and uh, looking a lot more into adrenal exhaustion and, and bringing out that sort of information to you. Um, so that it's, uh, you have to look at, it, we, we're not just running coaches, we want to have healthy athletes that have longevity on the sport, we look at everything we do from a longevity point of view, a health point of view firstly, it's no good if I get you, you know, to to running a multi-day stage race in the Sahara or whatever, and I've, but I've smashed you, and then the following year you're totally gone, and never to come back, that's not what we're after. We want you to achieve your race dreams, but to do it in a sensible manner and a, a what do you call it, a, um, a sustainable manner. Um, and that's what we're, we're experts at now, having made many, many, many mistakes. Um, okay, so I'll just go a couple of more questions here. Uh, Tracy Jago, who's an incredible athlete, who's done the Teatoroa Trail, 3,000 whatever kilometres it was. Uh, she's got ITB and weak glutes and outer knee pain um, that's been disrupting her for months. And she's a massage therapist, by the way, so she shouldn't be having this. Um, I think we covered that earlier, really, eh? The weak, the weak glutes, the ITV band, and outer knee pain. All you need to do is the mobility, the hydration, the attack the inflammation, and you should have that sorted. I don't think it will be uh, anything else but that. I think the other thing, sorry, to add in there, this is worse, just the consistency. It's amazing still oh, with yeah. the, you know, the, the amount of people I speak to they will still pick up a foam roller or start stretching when they get pain. Yeah, Don't wait for it. Yeah, it's too late. Don't wait for it. So you want to be doing it daily. It should be. It should become like you're, you're running. You need to be as committed to the other aspects like your strength, your mobility, your nutrition, your hydration, your, your mindset. You need to be as committed to all of those. Okay, if you're doing those consistently, you're in business. Um, so one of the other questions I had today from a young lady, she's got shin splints. Um, she's just started re running recently. Um, any quick tips for shin splints? Because it's a very common one, so let's attack that one. It's again releasing the, depending on the, the, the point it's at, but releasing the soft tissue. So release the soft tissue is one, um, making sure you release the soft tissue around the feet. Love your feet. Most people spend their, their time in shoes, socks, don't get their feet out. Spend some of your week with your feet out as much time as possible. Let them relax. Um, treat your feet like those of you using a foam roller already in your foam roller in your calves. Roll your feet. Look after them. Let your toes move. Let them touch the ground. Um, make sure you're well hydrated. So we talked about that earlier on as well. The hydration for the soft tissue is, is key. So make sure make sure that's happening. Look at your look at your technique. So your foot position. If you're over striding, as an example, and and hitting the hitting the floor with a heel strike and a lock knee, it's, it's going to hurt and it's going to manifest itself somewhere, and it might more than likely be in the in the shins, make sure you're not over-training as well. Yep. So when you're, when you're 
building up your training each week as a general general rule, no more than 10% increase each week. Many, many people make the mistake of ramping up really fast yep. and then wondering why wondering why something something hurts. But releasing the soft tissue, looking at your technique, um, and if your body needs the rest, take a step back and let it let it have the rest. And uh, another tip there is loosen off your shoelaces. Many people yeah. buy their, sho- their shoes and they're, they're, they're laced up, you know, when they've got cold feet. And then they go and do, you know, a big run, and their feet have sw- swelled during that process, but they haven't loosened the shoes off. So now that you're cutting circulation off to the top of your foot, and I learned this one really bad in a 340k race that I did through Germany. And on day one, I had my, t- my shoelaces up too tight, and oh my gosh, I had, you know, five days of absolute hell, and then I had to be on cr- crutches for the next three weeks. Um, the, the pain was so bad. So don't underestimate getting bigger shoes. I highly recommend getting bigger than your normal street shoes when you actually go to buy your shoes. And remember <clears throat> that when you're just walking in off the street and you haven't been training, your feet aren't swollen. And women's feet especially swell more than men's. Uh, we need to have at least a half a size up to a size. And if I, I, when I go to desert races, I take them two sizes bigger. That's how much my feet grow. Um, so that could be a cause of your shin splints as well. Um, I'll just see if we've met, missed anyone. Um, Karima, um, a wonderful lady who, who is very supportive of what we do. Um, she's got an ATM fracture back L5. That's the only information she's given me, unfortunately. Uh, core work would be my uh, recommendation there. I've had a very, very bad back. I've, I uh, broke two of my vertebrae and um, I've got four collapsed discs. And over the years, these have um, hindered me really badly uh, to the point where I was having spasms every, you know, like 10, 10 times a day and, um, you know, on the ground sort of spasms, unable to move, um, that sort of thing. And the doctors could not help me. It was too many vertebrae to, um, to you know, um, what do you call it, fuse. Uh, and I didn't want to go down that route anyway. And I went to chiropractor and went everywhere, the, you know, and nothing worked until Neil came along and he said, get your ass in the gym and do the core work. Do the deep core work, do the, you know, your transverse abdominis, your quadratus lumborum, your glutes, your hips. If you concentrate on getting a massively strong core, then you'll stop. You can't say everyone's back pain is going to be gone forever. But I was in a really, really bad place and I thought my career was over. And now I don't have any pain and I've got this... Yeah, really strong core, uh, and so it's not just doing you know twenty sit ups or something. We, we're talking a whole regime, and once again, we've got all those programs at Running Hot Coaching on how to get your, your core strength. Because you, you do have to be careful. There were some exercises that I couldn't do at the beginning because my my, beat, my back was too weak or my uh, stomach muscles were too weak in order to do them properly. So you have to have the right exercises and the right times and build it up so that you can um, strengthen that core. Anything else for for back there, Neil? No, I think the bottom of the chorus is just be very, very careful of the back, get it assessed properly first, and then from there make sure you're doing the right. It's like building a house, you want to build a strong, deep foundation first. Yeah. Once you build the strong, deep foundation, you work inside out, and then you've got the deep core muscles strong, you can then build from there and start to add some more, more functional and bigger movements to it. And I think, you know, like some of the stuff isn't sexy, what we're saying, you know, it's groundwork, it's foundational work, but... You know, if you build your house on sand, guess what? You know, it's going to crumble. If you build it on a strong foundation, 
it's a pain in the ass to begin with, but it, you get into a routine, and once you can, you've got it there, you, you it's not that hard to maintain that level, okay? Once you've got the strength in the body, it's just a maintenance level. But getting there in the beginning is a little bit of hard work, but it really pays to set that foundation. Now, we've got a question here from Michelle Lowe. She did boot camp and gym six days a week and lost 15 kilos and injured her back. Boot camp stopped, uh, boot camp stopped and so did the exercise. I put most of the kilos back on and I hate it. I loved running when I was minus the kilos, but now it's even harder finding the motivation to eat right and walk. Husband and I have committed to losing 10 kilos in 10 weeks. We're at day one. Can you help? Yeah, we can help. <laughs> Definitely can help. Uh, for starters, um, just because you had a back injury, like I said, you have to go in and, and build up the strength in that back area um, and and making sure that you do that in a, in a proper manner and not too fast. But just because you're injured your back, you shouldn't have stopped training. You know, there are still a lot of other things that you can do. Now, Michelle, I, I, I mentioned before uh, my weight loss aha moment came when I ran through New Zealand and I'd run and I'd always struggled with my weight I've always been I mean I'm a, a Maori um, ethnicity a big muscular family on both sides and I'm very athletically built but I have a tendency to put on weight and I've struggled with it my entire life since I was a teenager and uh, even though so I, one of the reasons I started running was so that I could lose weight and control my weight and I thought I could run for miles and then I could get away with eating lots because I love my food. And to a certain degree that worked, but it didn't ever, I could never lose that last five kilos that used to sit around my hips and waist and my legs and, and it used to annoy the crap out of me. And when I, you know, and I'd be doing huge mileage and what I was actually doing was throwing my body into a state of absolute stress and my hormones were being hit and my uh, metabolism started to slow down and this was because I was doing too much training of the wrong type. And then when um, a few years ago when I, when I changed once again, I talked to Neil and, and we changed up my training. When I stopped doing um, the really long races, I, I started doing really short, sharp, interval type training, CrossFit type training. Uh, so body weight strength exercises, some heavier stuff as well and really high intensity. And man, within six weeks, my body shape changed and I ripped up. And I got to the level that I was super stoked with. And I've been able to pretty much maintain that now for, I don't know, five years or so. Four or five years. So when I was doing the massive races, I was actually a little bit overweight. I wasn't fat, but I was a little bit podgy. Now I'm, I'm leaner. I've got fantastic amount of muscle mass, but not bulky. Um, and, and I feel much better. So for me, high intensity... Um, short bursts of, of really high intensity training and strength training when you build a little bit more muscle we're not talking about becoming gorillas here we're talking about having good functional muscle which will help your running and help in everything that you do in the world in life it actually burns more calories every single hour of every single day the more muscle mass that you have and that helps you lose weight as well and then and then uh, looking at your hormone situation, your adrenal stress situation, and this might be counterintuitive, but going and doing yoga and breath-based work, so deep breathing exercises, meditation, yoga, you may find that you lose weight faster than running marathons. And that's counterintuitive, I know, um, but it, it's very, very true. And you can also use a combination, ideally, of, of 
yoga type exercises, deep breathing, and then high intensity work. If, you, if that's your goal, is to lose weight, which Michelle's looking like she that's her main focus. So when people come to me and they say they want to do a marathon, the first thing I ask them, especially women, is do you want to run a marathon for a marathon's sake or do you want to lose weight? Because they're two different programs. We'll, we'll put you on completely different programs depending on, on what your goal is. So, so you know, tell us what your real goal is. If your real goal is using a race to thinking that's good motivation, I get that. that that's, a good, that's a good goal. Uh, but for weight loss, it's a different... There's a different collection of exercises and a different structure to your program than um, than we would if you seriously just want to do marathons, okay, if, if that makes sense. Um, Neil, we want to share a little bit just now. Of Luke, sorry to interrupt you. I've got three little monkeys that are waiting for me, so ah. I'll, leave, I'll leave you to it. I'm going to yep. go and pick them up from, from school, okay. and I'll, um, yeah, I'll, leave, I'll leave you to it. I'm going to go and get them and take them somewhere to cool down. Okay, now, yes, he's got three kids under, what are they, under six at the moment, so we'll have to let you go. Thank you so much for your time, Neil, and I'll uh, finish up here and, and let everyone else know. Hi, mate. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Bye. Can you leave that on for a second? Yeah. Um, so I just want to do a bit of a pitch uh, and talk to you about running hot coaching and let you know what we do there. Um, so obviously Neil and I, as you can see from what we've been talking about, we're very, very passionate about what we do. We have a great uh, amount of history together. Neil has over 22 years um, teaching health professionals and teaching uh, trainers, and he's has a huge amount of um, experience. And he was my lifesaver. And to you know, as you could tell from the story, he saved my career. When he came along, my my career went from stale and burnt out. I'd done some crazy things prior to that, but when he came along, he rebuilt me, and my career skyrocketed. And um, I've never looked back since. Um, and he really, really knows his stuff. And together, we formed Running Hot Coaching, and we have systems that. We've developed and, and tuned and fine-tuned over the years. We've trained hundreds of athletes. We know how to get you to the finish line time efficiently, without stress, without the burnout, without losing your motivation. And uh, we know how to do that and get you to the finish line in the best shape possible. And we're really, really fortunate about that. So we would love you to have you uh, join our club. We have um, an offer that is a $99 for the year. And this is, this is going away very quickly, shortly, because we are changing our whole sys, uh, software systems and our delivery systems, and that's going to be tripling in price. So if you'd like to get in now um, at that price, then go and sign up. Now, that's called the Running Start Package, and that has where you've got all your plans uh, on there. You've got access to this huge resource library where we've got articles, podcasts. You learn from other, other athletes. You have a whole series of videos, clean eating recipes. Um, mindset information, there's a whole plethora of things and resources within that and you have a training calendar and you pick the plan whether you're doing a half marathon, a 10k or an ultra marathon, whatever your goal is and the time that you're doing it and you can work from those uh, those plans or if you'd like to work with us on a more intense basis where you're actually having uh, contact with your coach then we have a $45 a week coaching package and you can do that for as short as long as you like. There is a, a $99 sign-up fee um, and once you've done that, you can just do it for four weeks or whatever, if you or eight weeks or 12 weeks or whatever it is to build you up for a specific race if you like and then drop back down onto the other level of, of coaching package if you like. So that $99 offer is only valid for the next couple of weeks until we change over our system. So, you know, hop online. Go and check that out. It's a really, it's a no-brainer. The amount of information that you're going to get from it, the amount of um, experience. And I've 
done all the hard work for you and we make it fast and we made it easy for you to um, take all our knowledge, take everything, all the tried and true, all the mistakes we've made and make it easy for you, okay? So go and do that now. Hop over to Running Hot Coaching and hit the, the running start or if you want that personalized stuff, please join under that and we will see you again. We hope that these have answered some of your questions. Thank you so much for your feedback. We really appreciate it. This sort of stuff helps us develop new things for you and new programs as well when we know exactly what you're struggling with. So we really, really appreciate it. Thanks, guys.